This is the David Eagle Podcast. My name is David Eagle, and we are looking back at 2016, a year that saw me release a podcast every single day. I'm recording this introduction in 2022, and I decided to try and streamline 2016's podcast project because there was 366 of them. I thought, let's try and condense them into these weekly omnibus editions. We are now up to week nine. We're entering March 2016. One thing I would say to you, with the benefit of hindsight in 2022, listening back to these podcasts, there's many bits that I do enjoy. Now and again, I will cringe and think, oh dear, I'm not sure about that. So if you're a little bit of a completist and you're starting the David Eagle podcast from the top, I'd hate to think that you got to one of these episodes and then gave up. So you might want to check out one of the later episodes and then you can go, no, you haven't improved at all, David. <laughs> I will give up, actually. Well, I, you know, I do stand-up comedy now. I've had thousands of people validate me and these podcasts were released before I'd started doing that. When you get on stage and you say something and an audience doesn't laugh, then you have to go, well, maybe I won't say that again. But this was before that happened. This this was me just sitting at home writing and recording things with the occasional bit of audience feedback and now and again someone would criticise me and then I'd write a podcast all about them <laughs> as we've already heard and will continue to hear anyway I just wanted to mention that I'm not saying it's going to be rubbish don't worry oh you've really built up the energy for this podcast David anyway let's head into week 9 and into March 2016 when you hear this sound it means we're moving on to the next dollop enjoy of course we'll enjoy David because you've really built it up David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 57, Mavis Crumble's Fart Game. So I mentioned at the start of yesterday's dollop, someone mentioned that they could hear the sounds of farting, like sort of subtle farting sounds in the podcast. And I hypothesised it was probably my fingers on the Braille machine. And I listened to the podcast back and I couldn't hear anything. And then she did leave a comment that actually it might just be my chair squeaking after all that. I thought, fair enough, it's in her chair squeaking. But then she's responded again. Mavis Crumble, her name is, hence the title of this. Well, she's not, she's not a name, really. I say, like, like I'm really going to fall for that. Mavis Crumble, she's called. Mavis Crumble. Got back in touch and said, no, I can still hear it. And then she gave me the times that it appeared. So let's uh, have a listen and see what we... Now that... Is the sound of the cupboard. It's time to play Mavis Crumble's fart game. The first one is in 3 minutes 51 seconds into dollop 55. Now, I've not heard this since. So this could be the complete waste of time. And I could listen to them and we could just go, yeah, it's. I think it must be her chair. And then we move on. So this could be a pointless... I mean, I say it could be a pointless. I mean, it's hardly the most... It, should we not, you know, this actually could be pointless. What we're, what we're doing right now could be a waste of time. You know. But if, it, I mean, if we can hear a noise, then obviously it would be a, a brilliant use of all of our time, wouldn't it? So here we go, everybody. This is three minutes, 41 seconds, up till just past three minutes, 51. Here we go. Which is just a scene setter. The tip of the iceberg. The iceberg lettuce, maybe. Another vegetable the lady had probably never heard of. I cited three vegetables that I wanted to buy and explained that the lady hadn't heard of any of them. I don't know if anyone noticed anything there. I didn't really. Three minutes, 51 seconds in. Here we go. Three vegetables that I wanted to buy. Okay. Is it on the word to buy, I think? There is a slight noise, which is, I'm assuming, like a mouth sound. You know, like your mouth makes strange noises sometimes. Yeah, we know, David, we've heard 56 dollops of them. But I think it's just now and again, your mouth makes strange noises, and ordinarily you wouldn't hear them, the noises, but because it's on a microphone, it's picking everything up, and because there's compression added, it's kind of the slight noises are being... So I think that's what's going on here. Three vegetables that I wanted to buy. Yeah, it's like a... 
It's like the, my, it's my nose. That's all that is. I think I'm just swallowing or something as I'm sort of talking and it's just making a noise. So that's what that is, Mavis. And I think you're probably going to find that all the others are that as well. But let's move on to fart number two. So here are a few more examples of vegetables, followed by some comments about them from the clueless shop assistant. My original three examples from the 53rd dollop... Okay, so it's that bit there. It's on the word three. My original three examples from the... And there's a kind of a a sort of little squeak again. My original three examples from the... Three. That is, again, a mouth sound. Okay, let's uh, explore fart number three. You might be of the opinion that three vegetables was enough. It's on the word three again. You might be of the opinion that three vegetables was enough. It was on the word three last time. It's on the word three this time. I've just done probably there when I said three. I'm going to say three five times, and I bet you hear a fart sound during one of them. Three, 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 three. You see? I bet you there was a fart sound among them. And finally... Oh, no, surely not, David. We're enjoying this. Unfortunately, there's only four examples. I mean, we could listen to this forever, though. I'm I'm sorry, there's only four examples. Okay, here is fart number four. Jules has probably read every single one of my dollops, meaning that she's had an insight into the way that I think for seven weeks. It's on the word think. Insight into the way that I think for seven weeks. Sound. Every single time I make a sound, there's a weird noise. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That was... I don't know whether it'll repeat it again. If it's by popular demand, it might be back. Mavis Crumble's Fart Game. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. <laughs> Little pun for you there, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes, that was an intentional pun. Unless you didn't think it was particularly funny, in which case I wasn't punning. Getting sacked from the BBC must be a surreal experience. You have to keep popping back into your old place of work repeatedly in order to do radio and TV interviews with the BBC about being sacked. Tomorrow, Tony Blackburn appears on BBC Radio 4's Broadcasting House programme, which probably records in the same building that Tony would work at when presenting his Radio 2 shows. Blackburn's interview with the programme has actually already been recorded today. He normally broadcasts on Radio 2 on a Saturday. He was probably in the very same building at the same time as usual, only instead of broadcasting on Radio 2, he went next door and talked about being fired on Radio 4. He probably saw whoever's taken over his show in the corridor. What with all the sudden interest in Tony Blackburn, he's actually been on BBC TV and radio more in the last couple of days than he ordinarily would when he actually worked with the BBC. The whole Tony Blackburn sacking situation seems rather nebulous, given that the BBC have been very vague about the whole thing, to the point that on Thursday morning you had the BBC News suggesting that the BBC had sacked him, although the BBC at that time were refusing to comment. So the BBC was reporting on an alleged sacking, but then saying that the BBC had yet to comment. Again, we're probably talking about people in the same building here. Tony Blackburn probably popped next door after his sacking, told BBC News that he'd just been sacked. Then, someone from the BBC News popped next door and asked the bosses, who were all conveniently assembled in the one room, as if they'd just been having a really important meeting about sacking one of their high-profile presenters. Damn! thinks the boss. Oh, why do we have such an on-the-ball and efficient news team? I've been hoisted by my own petard, as I'm the one who sanctions their training. The boss sees that the news reporter has just spied his file, open on his desk, with the words, Tony Blackburn sacking, written on it in big, bold letters. He panics, and desperately starts racking his brain to find a way out. Hide the evidence, he thinks. He picks up the file and tries to shove it in his mouth, hoping that he can eat it, but it's no use. The file is too wide and thick for his mouth, plus he realises that this would probably arouse even more suspicion. A trained BBC news journalist would notice that kind of thing. And anyway, he also looked at his colleagues and remembered that they also had files on their desk with the words Tony Blackburn sacking written on in big, bold letters. He would have to think of something clever to say to get out of this and fast. Uh, no comment! 
he shouted. He realised that he was sounding hysterical, which hardly helped his cause. So he said, no comment, again, only this time much more casually, and then leant back in his chair, hoping to convey the notion that he was totally relaxed and cool. Sadly, this last move backfired, as he'd completely forgotten that his chair didn't actually have a back, meaning that he toppled backwards off his chair and landed on the floor with his legs in the air. He tried to grab hold of the desk to steady him, but it was too late. All that happened was that he fell, bringing the file with him, which landed on his face. At this point, a BBC News cameraman shuffled into the office with his equipment, ready to cover the story. He couldn't let this happen. He was lying on the floor with his legs in the air, in the most ignominious pose, a file on his head, boldly displaying the words Tony Blackburn sacking. And he knew that the cameraman wasn't going to miss a shot like this. He'd been given BBC training. He knew this because, again, he'd organised the training. He cursed the proficiency of his staff. He scrambled to his feet and shouted at the assembled news team, telling them that he'd sack them all if they dared broadcast this. The news team slumped back next door, disappointed. They'd missed out on yet another exclusive. They knew that Sky would be broadcasting the news in the next few minutes, and it wouldn't be long before the rest of the news outlets caught up. Eventually, the BBC would then have to report on rumours of the sacking of Tony Blackburn by the BBC, but state that there is, as of yet, no comment by the BBC, even though the sodding thing had taken place at the other side of their studio wall. So I wrote about Tony Blackburn, and a mere five days later he was sacked by the BBC. I wrote about Richard Dawkins dying, and on the day that I was going to perform the routine at a comedy night, I discovered that he'd had a stroke the day before. In Thursday's dollop, I wrote about David Cameron, and then suggested that with a bit of luck, something negative might happen to him as a result. It's beginning to seem as if this dollop might hold some odd power of influence. I've just read an article in the Huffington Post with the headline, David Cameron warned he will face leadership challenge if he keeps attacking anti-EU Tories. I'm wondering whether this evidence will be enough to convince some people of my powers. Maybe I could set up a donation button on my website, which allows you to pay money for a positive comment about you on my dollop, resulting in good fortune coming your way. Similarly, you could donate some money and send me the name of someone you'd like me to curse by writing negatively about them. If you get your donations in now, then you'll be able to take advantage of this service much cheaper than in the future, as prices will be set and then increase as more evidence accumulates to support the claim that this system really works. You could stay sceptical and pay more, or take a leap of faith and pay a great deal less, and take advantage of this scheme earlier than others. Get in touch with me if you're interested. I might also create a scheme whereby I will notify you if you happen to be someone's intended recipient of a misfortune. I will then give you the opportunity to pay more money than the person who is trying to get you cursed. And this money will mean that I drop the curse and don't write about you. Although, of course, I will then go back to the original donator and give them the opportunity to increase their donation to reinstigate their curse against you. Obviously, you will then be given the right to increase your donation, and this process will continue until someone backs out of the deal. You also have the opportunity to pay more money to send a curse to the person who originally wanted to curse you. You might say that this scheme is highly unfair, as it favours the rich. All I would say in response to that is to be careful what you say about me, because if I find out, you'll be ripe for the cursing. And anyway, I don't just accept money. There are also other ways of paying. And yes, Chloe, I am referring to what you're hoping I'm referring to, so get your bidding quick. Dollop 60. How to save the world with just one eagle and five guinea pigs. On the subject of cursing, I received a comment from Claire yesterday, who expressed interest in parting with money in order to avail herself of my special powers. This is what she wrote. Whilst the curse theory is interesting, and agreed, there does seem to be some evidence... 
I'm sorry about the voice and ending for you, Claire. I know you listen to these dollops as well, so you'll hear this. I can't really do a woman's voice particularly well, unless I'm specially aroused. Whilst the curse theory is interesting and agreed, there does seem to be some evidence to support it. Do you think you might be able to do the opposite and help someone? If you get that scheme up and running, then please count me in. I did say in yesterday's dollop that I would be happy to use my powers in a positive way, although I admit that there is no actual evidence yet to support the idea that I can actually achieve this, whereas there are multiple examples of me negatively influencing things. However, I am willing to give it a go, and I will use today's dollop as a test of my abilities to positively influence. I also received a comment from Jenny. Enjoying all of your daily dollops. A great daily tonic and much more effective than medicine and tablets. Though, if I laugh too much, that it's painful. Hope to see you in Edinburgh in April on your young'uns tour. Health permitted. I'm going to try and improve Jenny's health through this dollop. <laughs> you could have something really seriously wrong with her. And I'm just making light of it, in which case I do apologise, Jenny. But I'm no, I'm not making light of it. I'm being serious. Not this is not a flippant blog today. It's a serious one, okay? So there might be some people saying it could be something really bad and life threatening. All the better is what I say. I mean I'm glad I'm disappointed that you've got that, Jenny, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you. I am also going to try and positively influence Claire's life. There are another three people who have also decided to trial this experiment on. One of them is Mavis Crumble, creator of Mavis Crumble's fart game from Dollop fifty seven, and frequent dollop commenter. She wrote to me suggesting that if I used any more of her feature ideas then she would require payment for her services. I have written to her in reply saying that while I will not pay for her ideas with money, I will however sign her up for my positive energy experiment. I also added that if she did not accept these terms then I would curse her, which we definitely know works. So I think it's safe to assume that Miss Crumble is on board. I also thought that jewels could maybe benefit from some positive energy. Imagine living in a world jewels where you're able to read a blog post and not get all tense and stressed when you see a spelling mistake. Imagine being able to leave a comment without being pedantic. If I can make this a reality, Jules, then I will. I will send positive energy your way through the medium of digital dollop. The next person who I feel might be in need of some positive help is Howie, who left a comment today saying, Catching up with podcasts last night in bed. Funny, but does not lead to great sex. Firstly, this statement has piqued my curiosity. Yes, Jules, that's right. I've deliberately spelt peaked incorrectly. I know it's the wrong spelling and that you're starting to get all tense and angry, but soon this affliction will be a thing of the past. I know that you are shaking with the urge to leave a pedantic comment, but try and temper your desire and keep reading, for I am about to attempt to help you with positive intention. The reason that Howie's statement has piqued my curiosity, spelt wrong again, <laughs> is because of the word great. He says that listening to the dollop doesn't lead to great sex, which seems to suggest that it does, however, lead to sex, even if it is a bit mediocre. I think we need more clarification from Howie here. Are you listening to these dollops as a form of foreplay? Are you then engaging in sex immediately after listening to the dollop? And, if so, what is the problem? Is it that one of you gets distracted during the act and starts remembering parts of the dollop? Ha <laughs> Peas. There might be people listening to the audio version of this dollop now who have misunderstood my point here. They may assume that when I wrote, ha ha, peas, P-E-A-S, I actually wrote, ha ha, 
P's, P-double-E-S, as if suggesting that one of them might have got distracted during the sex, laughed, and then proceeded to urinate, perhaps as a physical reaction to laughing so much. But this is not what I was inferring, listeners. I was referring to last Monday's dollop about my trip to buy P's from Sainsbury's. Why you didn't find that story arousing Howie is a complete mystery. So, there are my five guinea pigs. I shall now write a positive paragraph about each of them, which will hopefully positively influence their lives. Number one, Jenny. Jenny is one of the most healthy people on the planet. Jenny is so well, in fact, that when people see her, they always comment on how she's glowing. She comes to the Youngins gig in Edinburgh and has a great time. She lives happily ever after. Number two, Mavis Crumble. Mavis came to prominence in 2016 as a result of her feature ideas on David's Daily Digital Dollop, which gained her the attentions of some of the top decision makers in radio and television. This led to a bidding war between Sky, the BBC and ITV. Eventually, ITV won the rights and Mavis went to work on creating feature ideas for Ant and Deck. The double act loved Mavis so much that they recorded a re-release of their 90s hit song Let's Get Ready to Rumble, called Let's Get Ready to Crumble, which featured references to all of Mavis's genius ideas. There was even a mention to Mavis Crumble's fart game, as featured on David's Daily Digital Dollop, which gave me a massive profile boost, which in turn gained me the attention of radio and TV executives. Hey, if I'm going to make all this come true, then you can't begrudge me a little something for myself too. Mavis was granted a 50% share in the royalties for the Let's Get Ready to Crumble song, which went to number one in every single country in the world. Mavis was then able to take early retirement due to the royalties, not to mention all of the Mavis Crumble merch which went on sale. Justin Bieber was livid when he noticed that Mavis Crumble's Twitter account had more followers than his, making her the most followed person on Twitter. In fact, he was so livid that he vowed never to make music again. Everyone was so overjoyed by this news that Mavis Crumble was granted the title Queen of Planet Earth, and she lived happily ever after. Number three... Jules. Jules woke up one morning feeling much lighter, as if a weight had been lifted from her shoulders. She logged onto Facebook for her usual routine of reading people's status updates and blogs, and then getting riled about the bad grammar and misspellings. She would then usually spend the next part of the day leaving angry, pedantic comments, correcting their grammar and spelling, and suggesting ways in which they could improve their writing. But today was different. It wasn't that she didn't notice the bad spellings and incorrect grammar, it's just that it didn't seem to bother her anymore. She then left positive comment after positive comment. In fact, she was so giddy with this whole new exciting experience that she didn't even bother to check her own spelling and actually left quite a few misspelt words and grammatically incorrect sentences. But she didn't care. In fact, she was ecstatic by her newfound freedom. Her change was so overwhelming and inspiring that she began to develop a highly popular self-help career where she would tour the world lecturing about her newfound life philosophy. She quickly rose to prominence, thanks to her infamy on David's Daily Digital Dollop, which everyone knew about because of Mavis Crumble. Jules would go on to coach CEOs of major companies, presidents and prime ministers. She was so influential that she had a major positive effect on the entire planet. One of her most notorious successes was with Donald Trump. After just two minutes with Jules, Trump was a different man. He broke down in front of her and thanked her for showing him the love and tolerance that everyone else of any worth had struggled to demonstrate. But But Jules had such an overwhelming compassion and tolerance of Trump's ignorance that it caused his entire life philosophy to dramatically change. But Jules' main triumph was to bring about world peace, using her non-judgment and unyielding levels of tolerance to win the hearts and addled minds of ISIS and other negative ideological groups. Jules essentially saved planet Earth. 
And she, along with every one of us, lived happily ever after. Number four, Howie. Howie didn't know what had happened to him. It was a bit disconcerting at first. For a start, his penis had significantly increased in length and girth, and it was as if someone had hooked him up to a mainframe computer which exclusively housed every single book about sex on the planet. He instantly had a working knowledge of the entire ins and outs of the Karma Sutra, and there's a lot of talk about ins and outs in that book, as well as every other tom on sexual technique ever written. Howie used to be the kind of man who would blame his sexual ineptitude on anything and everything under the sun, including the podcasts of folk singers. But now everything has changed. There is no more need for excuses, for Howie is the kind of lover that would make Rasputin and Casanova blush and tremble in awe. Howie is the kind of man that sleeps with your wife or girlfriend, and you don't mind, because you know that she's only human, and that it hardly counts as cheating if it's the Howie experience. In fact, you are actually immensely glad that Howie has been with her, because he's probably taught her a thing or two that she can pass on to you. And finally, Claire. Claire was the lady who brought all of this positive change into being. She was the one who suggested to me that I use my powers to influence life for good rather than cursing people. Without Claire, none of this would have happened. Jules wouldn't have created everlasting world peace. Jenny wouldn't be healthy and vivacious. Mavis wouldn't have stopped Justin Bieber making music. And Howie would still be having substandard sex and pissing himself. It is because of Claire that we and she will live happily ever after. The end. Okay, we'll see how that goes. I'll keep checking in on you all and find out how your lives are progressing, but this has the potential to be revolutionary. David's Daily Digital Dollop Dollop Number 61 so then, this is just a quick David's Daily Digital Dollop. Yesterday, I wrote over 2,000 words. Absolutely ridiculous. So I thought rather than doing another lengthy dollop, today we just do a quick audio dollop. Today's dollop, dollop 61, is called Pop Song Postulations. And the reason for that is because I'm about to make postulations regarding pop songs. I'm going to postulate on the subject of pop music. Now, because I think there are certain songs that are like party pieces, that when you're around the piano, maybe having a party in the a piano there or in a pub or whatever people will come up to you and they'll request songs to sing and to play on the piano and you can play them and sing them even if you don't know what the words are you only need to know a few words and you can blag the rest I think one of the best examples of this is the Scissor Sisters I Don't Feel Like Dancing If someone says, can you play that, can you sing that, it's difficult to say no, because it's just, it starts, obviously. So you automatically, you're aware. Before you've even, before you've even realised you can't sing the words, you have no idea what the words are, yeah, your fingers have started moving, because it's very simple, D to G. You can't help it, you're grooving along, and then you think, oh God, I don't know the words. It doesn't matter. This is how you get out of it, it's very simple. Just busk it. And the best bit is because it's so falsetto that you no one can hear the words anyway, so no one else knows. And then at that point, everyone's really drunk and they're just joining in anyway, and they have no idea what the words are as well. No, I don't feel like dancing when you go to a place. Come on, I'm 
That's how you do it. Simple. No one would know. Hopefully that transpires to be helpful at some point in your life. Let's have a look at what the actual lyrics are. Wake up in the morning with your head like, what you done? This used to be the life, but I don't need another one. You like cutting up and carrying on and wear them gowns. So how come I feel so lonely when you're up for getting down? So, I'll play along when I hear that special song. I'm going to be the one who gets it right. You'd better move when you're tapping round the room. Looks like the magic's only ours tonight. In the chorus. But I don't feel like dancing when the old Joanna plays. My heart could take a chance, but my two feet can't find a way. You'd think that I could muster up a little soft shoe gentle sway, but I don't feel like dancing, no sir, no dancing today. Don't feel like dancing, dancing. Now here we go, what's the... Even if I find nothing better to do... Even if you actually sing... Even if I find nothing better to do... In that full set of voice, you can't hear the words anyway, you might as well just be singing... My God, there's more. The next bit isn't just even if I find nothing better to do. There's another bit to it to learn. What's the point when you can just go... I bet that's what he did. He just went, oh, I haven't actually got any lyrics to this bit. Right, I'll just think of some lyrics a bit later on. We've got to get this sent off to master. By which I mean to master the CD. Not <laughs> to master. As if the Scissor Sisters are just part of some sort of despotic regime. We must send this off to master. He gets very irate if we don't get our camp songs sent in on time. So the next bit is, don't feel like dancing, dancing. Why do you pick a tune when I'm not in the mood? Why do you pick a tune when I'm not in the mood? <laughs> or... If you prefer, don't feel like dancing, dancing. And this last bit is, or I'd rather be home with the one in bed till dawn with you. What does that mean? I'd rather be home with the one in the bed till dawn with you. That doesn't make any sense. If they'd have sang, I'd rather be home in bed till dawn with you, that would make sense. But why with the one in the bed? Doesn't make any sense that to me. I'd rather be home with the one in the bed till dawn with you. That is ridiculous. Cities come and cities go, just like the old empires, when all you did is change your clothes and call that versatile. You got so many colours, make a blind man so confused. Well, it wouldn't really make a blind man confused, would it? For having lots of colours. If someone wears loads of different coloured things, it doesn't confuse me. I can't see them anywhere. I, my, my brain can't see colours. If you're totally blind, then it doesn't matter how many colours you wear, you can't see anything anywhere. So, not quite sure what they're about. Maybe, maybe they're talking about someone with some sort of colour blindness. Anyway, Elsa, who I live with, who's French, when she lived in France when they were younger, her and her brother used to hear songs on the radio, and obviously had no idea what they were singing about, but just used to approximate the songs. But they both sort of agreed on a set of, of lyrics, even though the song didn't actually make any sense, they didn't know what it was on about. They just used to kind of agree on how the song should go so they could sing it together. So, for instance, the song Shout by Tears for Fears. Shout, shout, let it all out. These are the things I can do without. Come on, I'm talking to you come on their agreed set of lyrics for that was 
Shaw, shaw, willy wallow, wee's da da dee's da da dooey da. Come on, I'm talking to you. Come on, and the fact that they got the I'm talking to you bit. If they actually thought they were the lyrics, like someone was just going shaw, shaw, willy wallow, wee's da da dee's da da dooey da. Come on, I'm talking to you. Well, yeah, you're talking to me. Maybe you're talking absolute nonsense. I'm sure there's lots of songs that I've sort of approximated the lyrics from, and you just start singing them as well. You realise that you just start singing them, and you have no idea what the lyrics are all about. Prime example, really, is Sean. Some of the lyrics that he sings in the Younguns. Oh, I have no idea what he's singing about. I just switch off until it gets to my bit. He comes out with some absolute nonsense, doesn't he? Under the Sheets by Ellie Goulding. These are the lyrics that I hear. When I'm under the sheets and you're heat, I know it says healing. I think it sounds like it says more like killing, but I know it's healing. When you're under the sheets and you're healing me, in our house made of bacon, your words all over me. So I assume I've got the healing bit right. When you're under the sheets and you're healing me, your words all over me or something. But I don't know what these other bit is. In our house made of bacon. But to me, that's what it sounds like it's saying. In our house made of bacon. Listen. In our house made of bacon. sounds more like killing me but I think it is definitely healing I'm pretty sure it's healing when we're under the sheets and you're healing me and our house made of bacon your words all over me I'm now going to see for the first time what the real words are imagine if it was in our house made of bacon and I'm like oh turns out the words are in our house made of bacon thank you for listening goodbye (laughs) you left a blood stain on the floor you set your sights on him you left a handprint on the door like all the boys before like all the boys before. This is our luck, baby. Running out. Our clothes were never off. We still have our roads to run about. To scale the map, scale the map. Well, bloody hell. All of a sudden, me singing about houses made out of bacon doesn't seem so weird. What is this all about? I've seen you in a fight you lost. <laughs> I've seen you in a fight. Ah, here we go. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. It does say killing. When we're under the sheets and you're killing me, in our house made of paper. Oh, your words all over me. Oh, so close. So all I got wrong was I thought it said bacon, it says paper. Let's have a look at the rest of these words. I'll leave you with the rest of this song, see if you can work out what it's about. In here, the world won't bring us down. Our plan is gold dust. Out there, a lonely girl could drown. In here, we're frozen. Where did the people go? My hands are empty. You're not the answer I should know. Like all the boys before. Like all the boys before. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. In our house made of paper. Your words all over me. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. We're in a mess, baby. Well, yeah. <laughs> you don't... You I mean, bloody hell. I think that's an understatement. You've just been killed. You're in a house made of paper. I mean, you can't afford a real house. Your, your boyfriend, presumably, is killing you. You know, you'd be of an understatement there, I think. Well, I think it's an understatement. David Cameron probably thinks it's an overstatement. That's a reference to a, a previous dollop. We're in a mess, babe. Your more is less, babe. Oh, oh. We're in a mess, baby. We're in a mess, babe. Your more is less, babe. Oh, oh. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. You know, a house made of paper and your words all over me. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. I've seen you in a fight. You lost like all the boys before. Like all the boys before. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. In our house made of paper, your hands all over me. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. 
I've seen you in a fight you lost, like all the boys before. Like all the boys before. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. In our house made of paper, your words all over me. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. In our house made of paper, your words all over me. I'm not making this up, it just keeps going. We're under the sheets and you're killing me. 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 Oh my goodness. Well, I'm where I normally record with the microphone, but only the microphone seems to have broken. I've had all sorts of problems with the microphones and with computers and all sorts of stuff. And I'm blaming it on my positive energy campaign. Since I've started to be nice to people, I've tried to do my bit for the world. Well, where the hell have I put the keyboard? I've lost my bloody keyboard now. I can't find that. Oh, oh piss off, idiot. Where the... Fuck is the keyboard? There's the keyboard! The keyboard was right next to me! I have now dismembered the recorder from the tripod. It's just fallen off. And the tripod is, rod is attached to the bed and I've broken it. Oh, everything is going wrong. Stop it! Just fucking stay on! The swearing in this blog post, by the way. Because you haven't worked it out by now. I didn't, well, there wasn't actually swearing in the dollop. There's just swearing in this bit. Because I'm really annoyed. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go back to cursing people. Life was a lot better. Oh, now I've lost the headphones. I can't hear what I'm typing. Pissing fuck. Oh, piss off! I was reacquainted with my shop assistant friend at Sainsbury's today. That's right, Jules. Pay attention. Although I'm not sure if you're still reading this now that you're on a mission to save planet Earth. If you are still reading, Jules, then I'm sorry to report that the lady seemed a lot more clued up on vegetables today than last week. Perhaps she'd felt a bit ashamed at her veg-based ignorance and so swatted up on the subject, ready for our next meeting. Maybe she went straight home that day and bought herself a copy of Vegetables 101, by which I am referring to the handy compendium of vegetable types, rather than another book of the same name with the subtitle 101 Things to Do with Vegetables, which starts off innocuously enough, but then gets a bit weird from about Suggestion 75. Although you might enjoy that bit, Chloe. I'd lend you my copy, Chloe, but it's a bit stained due to an unfortunate incident with a beetroot. In fact, I'd recommend skipping Suggestion 86 entirely, because it's very painful and extremely messy. I was hoping that the shop assistant would have come out with something that I could then write about in today's dollop, but alas, she didn't break out into poetry today. I was anticipating something, though, as I assumed that if she'd had the foresight to research her vegetable knowledge in time for our next meeting, then she might have also prepared a special performance piece, maybe a limerick about leeks, or a rap about radishes or something. But, no. To give you some perspective about what it's sometimes like doing these daily dollops, I've just spent about half an hour sitting at the computer trying to think of a limerick about leeks. I have no idea why, but I was at a loss for anything else to do, and so that's what I did. I suppose I might as well share one of them with you, otherwise it would be a complete waste of time. Although, to be fair, I don't think that when you hear this, you'll consider it to be a particularly good use of my time. But here we go anyway. There once was a young man called Zeke, who did something odd with a leek. What it was, he won't say, but now he walks a strange way and elicits a curious squeak. 
I have another ten of these, but I'll spare you any more. Besides, I need to hold something back for the book. I had a really nice chat with the shop assistant today. Last week I mentioned that I was heading to Australia soon, and this brought us on to what I do for a living. This week I continued down this conversational line, and she asked me what my band was called. I told her, and then she enthusiastically said that she would definitely Google us. I then realised that this now means that she might potentially find this blog and discover what I have written about her last week. So, even though I have literally nothing of worth to write about today, I feel compelled to keep writing so as to put more words between her and last week's blog about her. Hopefully this will mean that if she visits my website, then there is less chance of her finding that particular dollop. Although now I've just realised that I've spent this entire dollop referencing her and the original blog post that I wrote about her last week, meaning that I'm really not helping my cause here. But I am too bereft of anything else to write about, so I can't delete this and then start today's dollop again, so I am doomed. Plus, if I did delete all references to her and last week's blog post, then there wouldn't have been a reason for me to have included a limerick about Zeke and the leak, and that would be a massive shame if the world didn't get to hear that. We spent quite an enjoyable 20 minutes chatting about my trip to Australia amidst locating the various vegetables that I was buying. My shop largely consisted of vegetables because, as I was explaining to her, I was planning on making a vegetable couscous dish. So we chatted about cooking and making vegetarian food, and then a bit more about next week's trip to Australia before we eventually reached the checkout. So now that you're aware of those facts, you won't find it weird what she said to me when she left me at the checkout. But if you didn't have those facts and you were just someone standing at the checkout queue, then you might have been a little bit perplexed and maybe a little bit disturbed by what you heard. Her parting cheery sentence before she left me to feel all awkward and self-conscious at the checkout queue was, well, have fun with your vegetables and let me know all about your adventures down under when you come back. And then, as she walked away, she added, I've certainly learnt a thing or two today. By which I assumed that she was referring to the fact that she doesn't really know anything about cooking or vegetables. But again, to the long line of people who were standing in front of me at the checkout queue, goodness knows what they were thinking. How piss off, idiot!